Hey everybody, Skipper here, and welcome to part two of this episode. This is chapters 59 to 74 of Dark Age. We talked for four hours, so it had to come out in two separate parts. Uh, the first part deals with Lysander and Darrow, so if you haven't watched that yet, go back and watch it. It also set the tone for this episode as we did record it, as if it would be one whole thing. This now being part two, we get into Lyria and Ephraim, and of course, death and violence, because that's just kind of what Pierce does, as well as our course language. But I wanted to reach out and say that this is the episode that will deal with the death of Ulysses. We acknowledge how difficult a subject matter this is, and therefore, if you do not feel you can watch this episode, we completely support you and love you. There's no therapy in space, but there is here on Earth, and so please, if you need to reach out to someone, please go ahead and do that. Thank you very much, and if you can decide to continue watching this episode, enjoy! Yep. Yeah. So. Okay. So we are moving on. We're leaving the boys. And we're going to go join the girls. Um, oh, yeah. So at this point, we've got Victra, Volga, and Lyria running through the snow. For two weeks, they have been surviving somehow in the wilderness. Um, we assume based on Victra, because she keeps making comments. I really like where she's like, you can't build a fire. You can't hunt the deer. Like, <laughs> and they're like, you wouldn't let us make a fire. <laughs> but yep. uh, we're getting the, the Girl Scouts until we realize the baby's coming is essentially where this starts. Um, the dialogue, though, back and yeah, forth between the three of them is hilarious. So good. I love opening. it so much. Again, it's like... Victor's like, you can't make a fire. And they're like, you wouldn't let us make a fire. Like, what are you on about? Like, or yeah. Victor skulk, sulks back against the rocks, disturbing the snow and a blackberry shrub above her, even after two weeks of plodding through rain and snow and sleeping under the shelter of trees, she manages to look glamorous. Her jade earrings, which she refuses to remove, blaze <laughs> against the snow. Meanwhile, I think I've somehow gotten fleas. <laughs> 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 this is okay this is the part that we keep talking in the den about how like dark age is so sad and it's lines like that that i just i love this book for the comedy that it's like weirdly woven in and it's like you know you're supposed to be depressed but you just take those moments and like this whole element of like victor has finally accepted that Volga and Lyria are not as bad as she thinks they are. And so you get you get the bonding times with them and you get these moments and even um we'll get the lead up well Victor's going to give birth and she's still making like snide remarks at like sure the reds don't cut their own umbilical cords but like it's just done in such a way that like to Victra that is like almost that like you know, she's trying to relate in a very weird way. Yeah. Victor is just like, she's out there. She's bizarre. They all are. We've got three different colors here with three different perspectives. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, 
another really good one, and I feel like these are worth since what we're going to get it to is so mm-hmm. hard. I feel like another one that was really Bring good to stand out. Uh, um, Volga and Lyria are talking and she says, how do you not choke her to death? And Sleet gathers on her eyebrows as she considers it. Two nights ago, I thought about it after she called me a geriatric walrus, <laughs> but I did not think it would work. She fought beside Sephi herself and Darrow. No, she is too much for me, even now, unless I was able to shoot her from afar. That was a joke. Oh, her eyes flick left, as was mine. <laughs> like that. <laughs> that's, the, that's the freelancer showing through. it's so good i love it um yeah i mean i think we've talked about this before victra is everything because it's almost impossible not to smile either because she's just a badass b it just incisive like she just will rip into a person, but not in a judgmental way, just like no bullshit kind of way. Or yeah. she's just funny. It's funny. Yeah. Just she knows herself so well. And we get a really interesting back and forth between her and Lyria when she's giving birth about what you were referencing, the red culture versus the gold culture and how um the red culture distributes the responsibility and distributes the, the joy, not necessarily joy, the um, responsibility, the ownership, the pride of bearing and birthing a child. Whereas for gold, it's like, no, I did that. I built this child for Victor. She says, I built me. I take, I take full ownership of that. Nobody else gets that. That's on me. I get to claim that I built who I am. Yeah. It's not because of the culture. Yeah. It's not because of who I, Jen's Julie, although we do see she clearly has somewhat of a soft spot for her lineage, but it's, it's about the tenacity of who she is as an individual. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool moment. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. As I said earlier in this of like, we get, Victor gets, I think, more fleshed out than we've seen her. Because normally she's through the eyes of Darrow, or she's a side character. Lyria gives Victor the full front and center. And it's who we knew Victor was from Darrow, but it's she's front and center. And she is her own self. She is the most confident person we've seen. I mean, we don't have... Her point of view, for all we know, she is severe, you know, crippling anxiety. Who knows? But she appears as though that, so, like, that super confident, super, and, like, I absolutely love that we get her in these exactly as we expected her to be. And I think it goes back to, you know, we've seen the Ephraim calling her Victra. Oh, I cannot tell a lie, Julie. That, like... She can't, like, she's just, this is what it is, clean cut, and so when, well, and it's really interesting if we, this is way back, we were talking in the den, and obviously I'm reading this for the first time since 2019, which is the only time I've read it. I was driving at the time, so I didn't fully pay attention. I genuinely thought 
the first read through that Victra had her own point of view. And I said that in the den. I was like, well, now that Victra gets her own point of view and everyone's like, Victra doesn't have a point of view. And I'm like, yes, she does. And it's because Lyria just gives her that space that I genuinely thought parts of this was a Victra point of view. And I absolutely love that we continue with that. And I think Volga as well. Um, we don't see as much of Volga in this because she disappears to try and send the message. But Lyria yeah. is very good at giving the people who are in her scenes space to be themselves and so that we can see them more fleshed out, which I just What we do really get love. from, so Crescent, you go first. I've got mine tapped by um, my finger. Yeah, mine, mine's pretty, mine's pretty minor. Um, I wonder if it's, I don't know if it's necessarily intentional, but maybe it's like, Lyria views herself as less important. Mm. Mm. And so she's like, she's bringing these other two women to the forefront. Because I don't think that's super minor important than hers. Like Pierce is very good at giving each of the people that he writes a very distinct voice, internal yeah. and, and externalized voice. And we've, I know you guys have brought that up before. I think in one of the first fades in this yeah uh, during Iron Gold we book talked about it. Yeah, 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 or Iron Gold, yeah. Um, and I think that that stayed true throughout. It's been very consistent, even as the characters develop, they develop as individuals, and and that is something that I think we had at some point we were talking about that in this discussion where at this point we're getting to see Lyria yeah. and some of these other people step into their individualism, their, their more actualized selves more, despite all of the hardships that they've gone through. Yeah. I was going to say, as far as Volga goes, we don't get a ton of her. Uh, but what we do get from her is, I think an important parallel to what we were talking about with Alex who fully trust fall into Darrow and Volgo's willing to do the exact same thing, you know, even as shitty of a person as Ephraim has been to her because she has not been able to reap the benefit of him getting sober and finding himself. Right. She still knows 100% that he's got her and she says it not once, but at least twice and maybe even three times in the first two, three pages of this chapter. She's like, Ephraim will come get me. I just got to go call him. No, Ephraim will come get me out. Just got to let me just let me go call F. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think also trust fall, like call, called her at some point, the little golden retriever that like, not just Ephraim, but like, Foley is like, sure, Lyria, I trust you. And we see that when, um, I don't know if it's this section or ju it, it's just before this section where Victor wants to shoot. No, Volga wants to shoot Harmony. And Victor's like, don't do it right now. You're going to give us away. Don't yeah, do it. And so Volga turns to Lyria and is like, make the call and just fully listens to whatever Lyria wants. And um, that just. Yeah, our little sweet golden retriever. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, we don't get much of her because so we get them entering the house, taking over the house. Um, a little sus on where mom is because Lyria notices of, hey, there's, I think it's the winterberries or the drink or something is out. So that tells me that there's another person here, but they're not. And like, you kind of get sus, but sure, we trust these people. Um, and at that point, Volga goes to uh, make the call, right? I don't think she's there. Not anymore. quite. Not until, oh, until she, Victor oh, actually is Victor fully delivered. Um, I don't even... I will challenge that a little bit. I think you're on it, on the right track, Skip. But I almost feel like it's not like they trust the people. They trust themselves to handle the people. Okay. Or to yeah. go sideways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good like, call out. Volga takes parts of their... Guns apart, yeah. Like crucial pieces and keeps them on her. They're tied well, up. Volga does kind of get a little bit weird oh, yeah, they... because they go into the Rat Legion yeah. stories. Yeah, they yeah. talk about the Rat War. But yeah, you're right. But yeah, Victra and, and Lyria do not. Yeah. Well, that's my favorite is Victra's like talking to Lyria about, okay, who are these people, whatever. And then she's like, please go tie them up. I'm going to have a baby. It's like essentially yeah. like. Like, as, uh, what did she say? And as an unctuous red once told me, we don't know them very well. Yeah. Go tie them up. I'm going to have a baby. But did you find, I mean, you guys have read it multiple times. I, on the other hand, I'm pretty much reading it for the first time that I had forgotten this entire scene. And I, the whole time, something in the back of me was like, I should trust these people, but I don't. And it was about, you know, how... Oh, she's mute. She can't like, and it's like that's a that's an easy escape to just claim that the daughter's mute when clearly they call out of like the glasses sitting there. That tells me that like a wife should be around. Like, where can you think back to your first read and were you suspect of these? absolutely? Yeah, yeah. From the second they met outside, I was like, oh no, that's the bad news. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, the fact that she got, I do remember the fact that she got through delivering the baby when the first time I read it, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, I do remember feeling like we were in the clear and that shit would happen, but the stakes were lower. Yeah. For, like, yeah, a couple pages. <laughs> almost feeling like the red hand is small time. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, I guess, like, in the grand scheme, they are. But, like, but when you're in their camp. This isn't, yeah, this isn't the chapter. Like, this isn't chapters where this is grand scheme. This is, they're in the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We get the perspective, like the Julia perspective on the on Harmony in this little vignette prior to her delivering fully. Yes. Which is, you know, alluded to by Harmony, uh, but not fully fleshed out. And then Victor just full on says, you know, that uh, economically speaking... There was no better option than to just let 
her children die the way that they did, let the people in her mind die the way that they did, and know, know that Gamma, Gamma was going to fuck over the other uh, clans. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting part of... I think we get Victra... I don't know if it's remorse, but it's at least acknowledgement of this is what occurred due to my family and how us golds reacted and people would re like we knew would react. Like, like that's a very interesting that we're not usually seeing like we look at the rest of the golds we know. Um the Telemannises, as far as we know, have never done anything wrong. Uh Mustang, we know Nero did things wrong, but there's no really acknowledgement on how much. This is, I would say, the, one of the first times that we are seeing a gold saying, yeah, my family caused this harm. Um, and so, which I think is huge, but then still Victra has that, well, so she's going to kill me. And like, also then equates it to, well, then she killed Severo's dad. So, like, and it's like, yeah. it's a very interesting juxtaposition there of, you know, not quite eye for an eye, but Victra is seeing it as eye for an eye and knows then, well, then she's got the bounty out for me and will kill my child because that would be eye for an eye as I have killed your kids. Yeah, I mean, Victoria does not, I don't think she takes personal responsibility for, because it was her mother, you know, yes. that was under control of the minds. And in her opinion, like her only, the major thing that her mother did wrong is, she says in the beginning of this chapter, well, apparently she didn't have control of enough of the minds or whatever, mm -hmm. right? How many minds did you have control of? Not enough, apparently, I think was her comeback. Yeah. But, um, but for sure... She views all of this as transactional. Yeah. It's not personal. It's transactional. Yeah. Which is interesting because I would probably assume that Harmony would say it's entirely personal and not transactional at all. Yeah. What do you think, Crescent? Um, I personally am not particularly surprised that Victra is the one to be like to own that her family's done this. Like that feels like a very Victra thing. It's like mm -hmm. Victor has always been such such a straight shooter. Yeah. Like Victor, oh I cannot tell a lie. Um so Yeah. But uh yeah, so then we do get Victra giving birth. Um, which I think was bold today called out. I'm not gonna lie. I've never been in a delivery room with a baby. I don't know. But bold asked into the Reaper's room, which is in where in oh, the yes. Howler's Den, we ask questions we want to bring up to Pierce. And it's like, why do you know so much about childbirth? Because apparently... Yeah. The sister doesn't have kids, does she? My sister? No, his sister. Blair. His sister, Blair. no. Blair doesn't no. Have, yeah. He doesn't well, have, well, I mean, he has close friends with kids, but I don't, I can't see him being in the. Yeah, I was going to say, I assume he probably wasn't in the delivery room. There's all kinds of videos. People I was going to say, oh, did yeah, we all absolutely. have to watch the Miracle of Life in grade nine? Yeah. Where they like graphically showed us. 
I'm glad that's a North American experience of like, oh, and the miracle of life. But yeah, they called that out of, but I just really like, I don't know. I could go into the history where she like refuses to lie down and use the bed. And we got into this of the gold versus That's what the I was going for. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was trying to have like a standing. Okay. Squatting. Yeah. Like that. So from a history perspective, do we know that the reason women lie down during childbirth is because one of the Kings of France had a weird fetish that he enjoyed watching women give birth like that's that's legitimately why we lie down for childbirth is because a king in france had a fetish about it so i can see it of like if you're gonna go back to the reds would continue to have this patriarchal society we're gonna keep it the same we're going to keep it that the weird king in france continues to have his fetish rather than the golds at some point probably looked at the medical and went hey if you go previous to probably the 12th century, you're giving birth standing up because that genuinely makes more sense. Like, for a physiological... Okay, now I mean, yeah, isn't, line, it, isn't but... it crazy? Because even now oh, we have access to so the bias behind all of that. We have, right? We that, have... that still to this day we are doing it. But, I mean, there's now like the water births and a few other things, but... There's, like, a few people I know who have midwives have been like, you should just stand up during pretty much all of this. But we lie down because there was a king of France who had a weird fucking fetish. Right. And it just also fits into the narrative of it, of uh, diminishing women, like, just overall. Uh, I don't know why, but I'm going to... I'm going to exempt you from that, Crescent. You're fine. Other (laughs) than, did you know that the the chainsaw was invented for childbirth as well? Yeah, um, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. But yeah, so I get it that the golds would be like, go back to the roots of like, what is the actual, like, medical, physical, best way to give a baby? And the golds would be like, standing. And then, therefore... Like, what are like, you going to bear down on if you something about are standing not standing? Delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Were you guys surprised that it was a boy? Yes. I don't I was remember. shocked. Yep. Because, like Victra said, at least once, but I think it's two or three times, she talks about her daughter, her daughter. Like, she talks about it in Iron Gold for sure. She talks about it yep. in this chapter at least once. And I want to say there's at least one, at least one other reference to it being a girl. From Victra as but well. But then we learn that, like, oh, Severo was right. Yep. That Severo the whole time said it was going to be a boy. But I don't remember my first read-through. On that part, I was driving somewhere in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains at this. No, I was in Vermont for this part. The All driving of the, the, the actual delivery part is tender to me but um tender but also hardcore yeah and it's easy enough for me to manage my emotions about that even being a mother myself um but (laughs) basically from uh basically from the point where she 
Lyria realizes that she's seeing, like she's so worked up and so activated by watching them that she's seeing them with like thermal vision through the end of this chapter. Yeah. I'm just a mess. Like just a like even right now, like I'm trying yeah. not to shed a tear because it is. I've got it open in front of me, and it's so. Lyria's even Lyria's perspective I think has got to be if you got to put if you put yourself in her shoes she's always been a caretaker she's always been a person who has been adjacent to children this yeah. entire this entire series so far so there's nothing new about Lyria being adjacent to a child it's all but I forgot I'm realizing that I have only just now, I mean, I knew that, but I'm only just now centering that in the forefront of my mind as we're discussing it, that to me, I have put it in the back of my mind. Okay. Yes, it does make sense. She's a red. Yeah, sure. Her sister has given birth to many. She's an aunt many times over. Sure. She's burden run, but no, not just that. She loves children. She cares for children. And so this is something for her that is very sacred and special. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then the, the end with, uh, with Victra, her benediction. Is yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That I just lost it. I still, I'm still losing it. It's, it's really fucking tender, man. I, I don't know. That this is the part. Like, honestly, the I wanna juxtapose the death that happens with this because I really don't think that as a person who cares for children, regardless of what your role is in your ch child's life, that um the manner in which they pass is any does it doesn't fucking matter. Like if they if they die, it's fucking traumatic. It doesn't matter if it's quiet. It doesn't matter if it's violent. It's it's a trauma. There there may be layers to the trauma, sure. But I do appreciate what he has done here to bring us into the intimacy of the moment with her, with this benediction. And the hope, and I mean, and even in how how Lyria greets him, hello, little Hemanthus, you know, like there yes. is something so really. I don't like children. I love my son, but I don't like kids. There is something truly magical, though, about a fresh ass newborn little fucking baby. If I swear that if somebody were to put a baby, a fresh little baby into anybody's hands, there's a, a certain biological reaction that happens. I do think Pierce got it. I think yeah. he did it. He did a very good job in this last two, three paragraphs here of this chapter, setting us up to bear the gravitas of then losing Ulysses. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially that Humanthus, and it's the way she's greeted all of her nephews and nieces. Like, she's giving that all. all gone except for Liam. Um, 
and it's yeah there's so much weight to that of that this is not in her mind just another human this is someone connected like lyria wise this is someone connected to her um and yeah like it's funny so i i mentioned so the first time i was driving and listening to this i was coming up i saw pierce washington dc i was halfway through the book when i saw him there we talked dragons and then i was driving from there i went from there to boston um which i had another howler in the car and so we couldn't audiobook because we were in different portions of the book and so then it was from boston to montreal is when i got this and i was going through vermont and it'll be the chapter after this but me and my reread i remember viscerally what it was and we will get there ulysses death i had to pull over and i was dry heat like sobbing dry heaving like could not had to be on the side of the road in vermont and it's so this week i went up to a cottage and i was listening to everything and i couldn't remember if it was the same chapter like i was like where's yeah. the chapter break and it's the moment lyria is like so you get the voice actress of like lyria ulysses i was like nope <laughs> i am yeah. not driving and listening to this again so i had to put it off and then today listen to it so i had listened to everything else and then it was like lyria ulysses and i was like oh fuck no like and yeah. technically you get to the end of that chapter and ulysses is alive we're well it's the next chapter in which lyria or victra is like no. get me snow <laughs> i forget what the line is and it goes back to the comedy it's like a broken tooth down there yeah yeah like <laughs> Which I think we've missed some of the other, talk about that one, there's some of the other comedic ones where Lyria says something about I would have ripped her out of it if I didn't think that, like, basically her nether legions would have bitten my arm off. Like, I love the fact that she's, like, fucking terrified of Victra previous to this. But this chapter is just so beautiful. But in my mind, it's very much the next chapter that stood out of this whole book. And it's the one that most people know about. Like, people have wrote, like, you talk to them. Um, I, have friend... two, I have two with a third being the Day of Red Doves. Yeah. But, like, this is the one that I know Alcatraz was, is it, El... I feel like Hurricane as well knew this going in. They hadn't read it yet. And they're like, well, I know what happens. And my friend Noel was like, I know about the baby. Like, it's the one thing that I think has circulated over every other spoiler that people know, which is unfortunate, and I try and avoid giving any It's of probably, spoilers, but... of all, all the spoilers, though, maybe appropriate because <sighs> losing a child, depending yes, for a lot of, especially are. in this, this particular um, type of child loss where... I mean, you almost could call it, it, he wasn't a stillbirth. I don't want to go there, but like, but to the level of how abrupt and how yes. short lived things were, For sure. you know, there's no good way to grieve that because there's no one to share that with. There's not even like, she has Lyria. She's got, she will eventually have several. <laughs> 
one yeah. hopes, but you know, like. But in that moment, is- she's got Lyria, and she right. she doesn't even she doesn't she's running like we don't get until so this is like chapter sixty four. It's not until chapter like seventy five that Lyria and her are actually able to mourn. She oh cannot mourn yeah. for this. Yeah. I mean, maybe she's in the jail cell later morning, but she is immediately on the run. We don't know how they got the baby away from her, but she's clearly captive because all we find out is, and this was the part that I immediately was like, (laughs) steering wheel over to the side of the road of pinned to the tree. It is a brutal, Lyria has to pull the baby down and Lyria is so taken of it of like, is just carrying around this dead baby and trying to still keep the dead baby warm. And we don't know where Victra is, but the baby is there. Like it is, you talk about mourning, like Victor doesn't get it in that time. She doesn't get it until Ephraim shows up. Yeah. Yeah, no. And that's to me, like the spoiler part of it. There are probably, there's probably a good, um, good chunk of women and men who have gone through child loss through various ways that probably should have a trigger warning on this one. Yeah. Um, Like, yeah, there will definitely be a, Oh, this one will get Badger. Every time you're on, we don't get someone else to do the disclaimer. It's me doing the disclaimer in person being like, Hey guys, call your therapist. (laughs) You probably didn't watch the last episode you were on back, but it was me sitting on my couch going, hey, big disclaimer, and this is what this episode will get again, because for sure it is something that people need to be reminded. Like, we assume if you're watching Page of Obsidian, you have read it, but it's a big one, and it's not something you would expect in most books. Like, Pierce went there. This is the one that I think he really went there because the rest you're like yeah war we're gonna get death we're gonna get rape we're gonna get a few things this is the one i think out of the out of the usual this is this there's several there's several moments of him dealing with darker nature of humanity but this is definitely one of them and that i i do wonder because it's like okay you are well-read, you are well-studied, you're an intellectual human being, and you're an aware human being, so I know that you're picking up on these things as they exist in the darkness of humanity currently, sure. But what specifically are you drawing from reference? Like, and, and I just find that to be curious, not from a, like, grotesque or morbid standpoint, but, like, as a person who isn't a parent, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder where you get some of the insights that you get as yeah. a person. You're like, how, what is your process for that? Because I think he does a good job, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in a questioning way. And then, and were there, were there to be things, I know that there have been discussions about like, you know, in the LGBTQ community, like, okay, you have made an effort. It's clear you've made an effort. Could you have made a different or maybe a better effort? Could you still make a different or better effort? Yeah, sure. So where are you 
drawing resources from there? Like, I think these are valid questions since we have like such amazing access to him. That's just one that came up for me within the, the child stuff specifically. Yeah. Like, where are you drawing a reference from? Just like we talked about earlier with the childbirth aspect of it. It's curious to me, you know, and he could just be <laughs> a very insightful, introspective, introverted type analyzing Aquarian who is able to extrapolate uh, from reading stuff. And then, well, right. Reading right. stuff, but I mean, if you followed Pierce, and this is the thing is some people don't, like, Pierce used to have thousands of pictures on his Instagram and then he scrubbed it all. His friend group, so we talk about, like, you asked if his sister has had kids. No, but he's got cousins that are young that I feel like, and friends that have young children that he has played that uncle role to. Um, I would not be shocked if someone in, like, he just seems to have a lot of friends. I know he has a lot of friends you bring up with the LGBT lgbtq group he's got a lot of friends that fit in that and so probably give him that insight um and with this we don't know like he probably maybe has seen a friend go through this or one of his cousins that he's got i think his mom is like one of 10 one of his parents has like 10 siblings he's got a ton of cousins so i can see him growing from that that's but at the cool. same time that's fun. he he does his research. Like, yeah, he used to post pictures all the time of, like, family reunions, and there'd be, like, a whole bunch of, like, five-year-olds crawling on him. That you'd just be like, meh. Um, so I think he does draw that insight from somewhere. He seems to draw most of that human aspect. That's why he can build such strong female characters, is because he draws them off of real women in his life. But, yeah, as you say, like... It's the childbirth part. Like, sure, okay, you can go back and watch The Miracle of Life, but that doesn't tell you what the woman's thinking at the time. But I'm trying to think of, like, I don't know, like, would you... Is that, like, would that be seen as rude as if you're writing a book and your friend has a baby to, like, call them up and be like, can you tell me the emotional aspect of that? Like, <laughs> like it would just be interesting. Relationship with it, yeah, exactly. Um, but seeing some of as a man, it's a little bit dicier, but if you have a good relationship with a woman, I think that that is a very welcome dialogue to be had. I mean, mm -hmm. come on. Well, well, the women, women share that all the time. Like that's part of the, that, I mean, that is alluded to in here. I, I think if, if anything, that's something that could have been alluded to more like the tendency of women to want to share those things with other women is so strong. And we would totally share that more, I think, with men too, if there were any sort of stated interest. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if, if Pierce is that guy showing up for ladies in his life, like giving a shit, I'm sure it's welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it'd be interesting to, and I don't know if we would ever get that answer because especially this one is so, personal i don't know if anyone would ever go oh well the interest like i drew it because my friend had a miscarriage or my friend had a stillborn like or whatever like i can't see anybody in the public eye yeah. just saying like oh well yeah i know because of this in the same way he goes oh yeah i you know 
women are strong because my mom's strong. Like he just kind of plays it off that I can't see him answering like that. So I don't think we get that answer, but it is, as you say, very, a lot of this, it's like, I mean, it goes into that. And then some of the other ones that you're like, how do you know? How do you know what that would like? Cause he does do human psyche so well that it's like, what has happened? Um, and there is the famous story of, it was during, I mean, this is completely different, but his mom sitting down with him after reading the passage and being like, what's happening in your head? Like, we need to talk. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be very interesting. Cause yeah, it's very, what we see in this is not just from the mother's perspective, but the friend perspective as well. Like it's Lyria is who we actually see grieving and then the assumption on Victra is what I would say. Crescent, when you're reading this and you're emoting and you are uh, and you are having a connection, first, first I feel like Tell me how you felt the first time you read through the two chapters as a couplet. And then also specifically through the loss, what stands out to you? And it doesn't have to be, you could still take, take that as a couplet between the two chapters. Cause if you need to compare contrast, that's valid. But like, what do you, what stands out to you from Well, we're going to, you're going to, if you don't mind be Crescent the man. Speak for all men, Crescent. Speak for be all Crescent men. and be Crescent um, the man. I mean, I uh, I have the somewhat unique perspective of having read it while drunk because I had <laughs> I had taken I had taken a week off of work. I was literally sitting outside in the backyard, fucking drinking IPAs, and I spent the week reading Dark Age. Well, it wasn't a full week; it was a couple days, but I was drunk. Wow. Um, so we have the opposite of I was too focused and like whatever and you're drunk. Great. I like yeah. it. Um, so like obviously like of course that like the actual birth scene was so so beautiful. Um, but that's it. like it's not something that I have ever experienced. Like obviously I've got a little bit more uh of that paternal role now recently but at the time like I had nothing like that I had no frame of reference but like I can I could still tell that it's like a very beautiful passage and then immediately like the switch is flipped and something is off and then to have that wound back and ripped from you. Yeah. It did not feel good. You felt it as a loss. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Did you, I have feel you felt like you have to, have to be what, some sort of monster not to, but. What, um, what other deaths in the series have felt like a loss to you on this scale? Oh, on this scale? Yeah. Ragnar, maybe? Yeah. That's the only one that comes to my mind immediately. Like that's, 
Because Ragnar is the quick one. And Pax, I would say Pax is the other, like, quick and gone. The rest, it's like a build-up. Yeah. And this was a quick and gone. Um, Yeah, but the, like, Pax, like, to a point, but we don't get that long with Pax. No, we're like, that's true. We, we have him, we have him in the fold for like eight chapters. Yeah. Like, you know, true. he's a good human and you mourn the loss because of that. But like, as far as yeah. the, the gravitas, uh, to me, the only other one is really Ragnar for sure. Yeah. yeah. Shooting from the um, hip. That's what my gut says. Yeah. And like, like with Pax, it's the rereads I think that are, that are more for me is because we have that context of, of the telemanus. the deeper relationship with Mustang with the telemanuses in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's no, interesting. Like Ulysses is uniquely awful as a death. For sure. You, my first read through, nobody came close to Ulysses. Um, and I won't comment on my follow-up on this, but when Pierce said that Lightbringer held the worst death, the hardest death he's written, my immediate thought was, how do you, how do you get worse than Ulysses? And I'm not going to say whether or not the death in Lightbringer is better or worse than Ulysses, but that was my thought, and rather than a lot of people went with Ragnar. Uh, right. Oh, I mean, I that Ragnar. was my thought too yeah. when I uh, when he made that statement. Yeah. He he's probably sitting there like, God damn, why did I make that fucking statement? Oh yeah, because <laughs> I won't lie, and, Cre- and Crescent knows this that there's like every single every chapter. Crescent I got texts from me, and he was not allowed to respond to them, but he got a lot that was like, "Is this the death? Is this the death? Is this the death?" Because <laughs> like, I'm just accusing. <laughs> Like, all of our favorite characters. But Ulysses, my first read-through, was the horrific one. I will say that this read-through, and I think maybe because it was coming, and I knew it was coming, I glossed over the actual death more. But the thing that hit me harder this time round was... um, I mean, and we're going to jump to the very end. Like, I had to pause this time, like today, and just cry when Electra and Victra are reunited. And I yeah. think that is me processing Ulysses' death rather than the first time, for sure, it was the actual, there is a baby nailed to a tree. Right, yeah, no, this I, time around, I did not... Fuck it, I could not... Yeah. No, it was, it was my... This time round was the Pax and Electra getting lifted a meter off the ground by Victra. That that I had to sit there and cry today because it is yeah. Victra's got at least one of her children back, and that is at least a little bit. But yeah, that was the part today that got me way more than my first read through. It was that the baby is gone. This time yeah. it was the mourning process. That's, that's yeah. how it always is for me now too. Is mm-hmm. it's the stuff around it. it. Yeah, I don't necessarily yeah. brush past Ulysses' death, but definitely when Electra and Pilks are reunited and when Victra is swimming. 
just mm-hmm. yeah. like, getting all verklempt. Yeah. All right, so I think, yeah, I think for now at- we can move on from the death and we can go on to what I think is one of the coolest parts is Lyria coming into her own. Yes. And she's realizing what's happened. She gets taken in by Bree. Is that who's Bria. family? Bria. Bria's family, yeah. Bria's family understands of all these child brides that are happening. And so yeah. puts herself into the danger zone to try and, I mean, save Victra and Volga. And creates, I liked Salem's wording of it today, an army of child brides. And I had forgotten this part. I read that question this morning and I hadn't read it yet. And I was like, what do you mean an army of child (laughs) brides? What the fuck are you talking about? What? Um, Which I just really liked Lyria for of coming into her own being, this is the first time she's not being reactive She's being active. This is her plan. She's got Fig's teeth. The parasite. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just a really cool, you know, scenario that plays out. And then what I think would make the world's best video game. But we'll get there. Um, But yeah, what are your reactions to what's happening? I mean, we have, it's so multi-layered of... What Hermione is doing, what, you know, Lyria's anger towards, what do you mean you're not standing up to them? Which to me is very short-sighted of Lyria because it's the ongoing question. I mean, I'm a history student, you know, so I always remember the person who sat in class of like, why did nobody ever stand up to Hitler? And it's like, people did, and they ended up with a bullet in their head. Like, you don't just... And that's I was watching as Leary is like, what? What do you mean you just give them your daughters? And it's like, Leary, it's slightly more complicated than that. You don't just yeah. stand yeah. up to the warlord. You end up with a bullet in your head. Um, yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's definitely Leary's inexperience and yeah, and age on display through the lens of that. Yeah. Her provincialism, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I love her ripping through, like, in a very small sense, I love her ripping through the the beats of action with this. Um, It feels really amazing to see her come into her own and to come up with a plan and to enact the plan, the people that she interacts with on the girls side of things are all very, um, minus the one that she beats up. I can't remember that one's name, but, uh, Tails? yes. And yeah. then the other Cause, ones okay. are also, cause the other ones are awesome. Freckles. freckles. I might, how do I cosplay as freckles for howler con? Because I got freckles. I got them. 
how do I cosplay as Freckles and have everyone be able to go, oh, you're being Freckles? Because I read that through and I was a like, name tag. I want to be Freckles. <laughs> I want to be Freckles. And I've got enough of them. And I'll have probably more by HowlerCon. So I want to be Freckles. But yeah, there's Tails is like the weak one that she, I'm pretty sure she beats up Tails, right? Yeah, she's the snitch. Okay, and yeah, then, the snitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but for the most which part, I think Freckles all... goes. I like the line of like, "You really hate rats," because Leary's whole thing is like, "I'll do to you what I do to rats," and then she does it. <laughs> Freckles is like, yeah. "You, what's your issue with rats?" Like again, those like just one liner comedic bits of like, okay, that is worse than I thought you would do. What's your issue with rats? <laughs> The, um, that's all like very, like that part's very good. There's, but there's a lot to this that's layered because I feel really bad for these red hand reds, honestly, who are, are, are just so abused that it was easy to cling to any power structure that said that they were going to do better. Oh, for sure. Like that, that makes me feel really, really bad. Like I feel bad for, what's his name, Duncan? Yes, this is it. Is yep. both times through, I was rooting for Duncan. Like he has held out having a wife until a 20 year old shows up because he knows it's wrong and then sends home the 10 year old. Like there's a 10 yeah. year old in the mix. Vastly, um, vastly underaged child. Yeah. So he holds out until this, like, and it's not even that it's a 20-year-old. It is, Lyria presents herself as, hey, I want to do this. So Duncan finally is like, you know what? Great. I will take her, basically, because she is of age and willing. Like, this is the first we're seeing of those two things. I mean, we later find out that even when she says no, he doesn't know that no means no. Um, but bad Duncan. bad Duncan. But I held out both times reading this through, being like, "Oh, Duncan is someone who the Red Hand has just taken advantage of. Of you have nothing else." And that's we keep going back to modern day society. That's a huge thing that people do. Of when there is a power sucked power vacuum. They want to grasp to anything that will give them and the red hands doing that in this capacity and, or you're doing it, you know, to stay alive. Um, you go back to the Nazis and like, there's a whole debate in modern day society of how many of those Nazis actually listened and followed what Hitler wanted how many just wanted to stay alive? How many that was the only option? And then the women in especially, let's say, Holland, that they were severely invaded and everything. Um, a lot of them then gave themselves over to the Nazis and were seen as traitors. But were they doing that just to keep themselves alive? And that's There's what we're some... now seeing in the red hand. Yeah. Of like, what is happening with that power dynamic? Like, how many of these people actually believe in the red hands what they want? And how many are just doing it 
to stay alive. Right. Yeah. And that's because that's, you gotta, you, as much as we like to champion the rugged individual, right. And the person singular doing it on their own. That's, not really realistic has not ever truly been super realistic. You get moments like that individuals like that, but in the larger scope of things we're too interconnected for that to really be feasible. So yeah, it's, I've, I found this to be, I had a, I think, I don't remember what day it was, but we, and I don't remember what set it off, but we had a very long, all of us back and forth about harmony Yes. in the beginning of this book. And I, I still hold to that. Like as much as I dislike harmony, she fits into that discussion very well, even though she's the leader of what becomes to be a very wayward and violent um, movement. I view her to be uh, one of the most tragic characters in the entire series because that's clearly a person who had the energy to do big things that was so injured that it went horribly awry. And how, just like, if we can find empathy for Lysander in the scope of what happened to him, how could we not have empathy for Harmony? For sure. I think that's a huge thing, especially at this point where we learn what's happened to her children um, and her husband, which has triggered all of this. And then, you know, not getting the full, you know, she's taken into Sons of Aries, not getting the full information. Um, 100%, I think her roots, her beginning, in the same way Lysander, the roots in the beginning, we need empathy for. We, It's understandable. But then the way she carries it out in the same way as we don't like the way she car- uh Lysander carries it out. Right. Of, at this point, it's like... It's so not you- redeemable. There's no excuses for it. There's just a point at which you say, you know what, if I were in that person's shoes, it would be remarkable if I didn't make these same mistakes. 100%. And it's really interesting because we actually got to, this is not released yet, but we interviewed Jenna Sharp, who plays Harmony in okay. the Sons of Aries. No, she plays Mustang, uh, but she yeah. also plays Sorry, Harmony yeah. <laughs> in the Sons of Aries comics. And her thing was she had to go on, go into it, not thinking about how we all do, but what does Harmony think of herself? And you are always the hero of your own story. And that's that's what we're at with this, is Harmony is the hero of her own story. She thinks she's doing for good in the same way Lysander thinks he's doing for good. But the way it is carried out, and especially at this point, like I think I had forgotten this whole child bride thing on this read through. Like when we were having that discussion, Badger, it was me based on how she treats the refugee camps. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Now, Which is absolutely disgusting and horrible. And that's what I was doubling down of, like, you're killing the yellows who are essentially the Red Cross. But now that we learn of this, 
you know, um, child bride because they need more soldiers is essentially, she says it. It's not even essentially. It is what she says. Of, yeah, she's trying to breed an army. She's trying yeah. to breed an army. And it is, at this point, inexcusable, but we can understand where she came from at the beginning. Yeah. You know, um, it's, she, she may be the hero of her own story on the surface level, but the human element of, wow, that's so dramatic. So dramatic. They're downstairs for the night, which they're always downstairs for the night at this time. But the fact that I'm awake right now is really getting her goat. (laughs) If you have, there's no way that she gets through that on an internal level. And she's not second guessing herself and she's not thinking to herself. She knows we are smart humans. You'd have to be a very dumb human to not be like, I am enacting genocide on the gamma clan i am um you know basically using the youth of the low the lowest low reds as cannon fodder etc etc so i'm sure harmony is of a baseline intelligence that rises above the threshold that's needed for her to recognize that these things fly fully in the face of her ideals and that there's just a massive amount of cognitive business. How robust is your storytelling to then quell that, you know? Yeah. So that, and that's where a lot of, I think where a lot of people's nastiness comes from. I think Harmony is a very realistic character because she is very nasty, you know, to anybody that gets in her way. And I think that's a pretty fairly realistic take on humanity. If you got all those walls and intricate fail-safes built up internally so that you don't have to look at the stuff behind the curtain, then anybody who for even one moment makes you, even tells you there's a curtain there, Mm -hmm. right? You get pissed off at them. For sure. Um... Uh, this is the ongoing two parallels that I would bring up is do you think if EO had have survived, if she would have been a harmony or was she had been on Darrow's side? And if Lyria was not a gamma, would she have also been on the harmony side? Because I see this- EO as radical. I yeah. do see EO as radical. Absolutely. I think she would have ended up, I think there's a lot that separates her from Harmony, but I do think that she was she was willing to go there on a, an idealistic stage. I think there's a lot of characters, um, pragmatic, you can kind of bucket them, pragmatic, idealistic. There's some spillover between the two, sure. But as far as ideals go, like EO was pretty hard on the idealist side. I think that a lot of the characters that people have a hard time with are people that fall on the idealist side of things. If, if we are certainly, of course, um, coached as the readers to 
sympathize with a particular set of ideologies. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I think that anybody who flies, you know, it, if you're not on that train and you're an idealistic person, but you're on a different train, like we're going to have a problem with you <laughs> as, as a, the group of the hollers goes. Um, as, and I think EO probably would have required a hell of a lot of humility to acquire scope in order mm -hmm. to not have fallen along this, a similar path as Harmony. Yeah. Do you have, do you have a, what's your take Crescent? Same, similar, different? Uh, I actually do not agree. Okay. Uh, I think like, so EO was never mad at the Gammas. She was always mad at the Golds. Mm. Harmony is, I mean like, Sure, she hated that Ares was a gold, but like she is now erasing the gammas. Um, I think that EO would have been on Darrow's side. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that it was it would have been a matter of leadership for her if she had had a if she'd come into leadership with like a good like rising leader versus like a harmony leader. Do you think if she'd met harmony before she met like a Fitchner, would she have gone? Mm. Could she have been converted to the more radical? Yeah. yeah. I suppose I could see EO being able to be radicalized for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay. I think, I think EO as she was before she died, she was definitely, more on the takedown society from within. Yeah. Sure. I, I can see that. I could totally see that. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Lyria though. Um, yeah. Let's not talk Lyria. Yeah. Not, not a gamma. gamma Lyria. I absolutely believe that Lyria could have been in the red hand mm. and like wholeheartedly. It's the anger. Like, she, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. She was so, so mad at the Rising. So mad at the Republic. Like... Well, and calls out, I think, the thing is, calls out multiple times about how Darrow is no longer a red. Darrow's no yeah. longer red. Fuck you, Pax, you're not yeah. a red. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, it's, so goes I'm back... Well, fuck you are. So goes back to that, you know... Not necessarily thinking that reds are better, but that they have been pushed down and therefore anybody other is not okay. And that's, yeah, that's, I think Lyria would have been red hand if she was not a gamma. Yeah. The otherness is something that has been brought up a couple of times and I kept on uh, blanking on the term that I was, because anyways, xenophobia is the, yeah. the term. Yeah. Yeah. The xenophobia of reds as a yep. theme. The xenophobia of golds as a theme. Um, the I felt like I remembered, and I guess there's there are a couple of chapters. I mean, this goes on for a couple of chapters. 
four or five chapters of them enacting. Lyra gets the plan, then she goes and she yep. gets brought into the fold, then she commandeers the wives, and then, but then she gets captured. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I forgot about that. Um, and that's just like a, a such a brief little interlude. And then we go forward and it's again, full pedal to the metal. Um, and I, I kind of remember it having gone slower, but it went really fast, this read through. Yeah. Oh, see, for me, the first time was super fast. And this is the part I always say, before I knew they were going to make it a video game, this is the part that it is. And it's not just Lyria. Like, so Lyria has to climb up the levels and is like spitting and well, so spits in Duncan's face, gets captured. Then you're going through and discovering that most of the other wives have at this point created the acid spit in face. You're with freckles. Like it is fast paced of I'm going to get into this. You end up in the house. How do I get to the next floor? You're going to go through the chain. Like there's people who are helping you and I'm like, whatever. And then end up in the big jail with Victra. We get Victra out and we get the full, what I would say. And it's described as she goes two up, one down, two up. And I am just picturing that like all over the map, badass video game heroine that you have to just defeat this. And it talks about Victra acts before she has to defend, right? Like that is one of the call outs is it's not even like she's going through the ranks, destroying them because she's not defending herself. She's acting before it is, tries to send Lyria to a safe place. Lyria's a dumbass who tries to follow as Victor's dropping grenades and shit. And Victor has to like motion at her of like move. And then in yeah. the middle of that, you get the Volga has started her own army up because you get, and this is, we kind of, we didn't say at all of, there is a moment where Lyria playing the part of the wife goes yeah, down. I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. So, so before the video in, game in iron in iron gold Ephraim says uh like him and Lyria go and they have drinks and Ephraim is like at, I don't know if it's him actually being way more drunk than Lyria or if he's actually just way more drunk than Lyria and he says red yeah. constitution damnably impressive and this scene makes me think of that it's like so Lyria has been drugged heavily yep. and is still able to keep it together enough to make a plan to put Hemanthus oil in these growlers to take down to the guys that are guarding the obsidian prisoners to get Volga free enough to start her own little rebellion. Yeah. And also start her rebellion against yeah. the rest of the red hand in the upper mine. That's like, what the fuck? You're the shit. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of swill. She's drank a lot of swill from a young age yep. and you get a yeah. resistance to it. True. Yeah. 
But yeah, I love this, just how it plays out. This is the part that when they talk about video games, I'm like, we better make it all the way to Dark Age. Because I don't care about the video game of Red Rising to Iron Gold. I just want to be... Really? You, you can... don't want to duel Cassius at the gala? No, because I'll be terrible at that. Like, me trying Come to... No. on. I want to fucking button Nerd. smash my way through jumping Victra fucking everywhere. Ah, oh, it's gonna be so good. Yep. Think this of all the was one side of the quests scenes. we're gonna get. Think of the side quests in that video. <laughs> oh yeah. What yeah, it's like a yeah, 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 yeah. Um This was one of the scenes I think where you get to see the raw power of a gold, like Ooh. a singular oh, yeah. gold yeah. versus everybody else. It's Staggering. Don't jump on my computer. <laughs> well, talk about jump. Lyria talks about how, like, she says something about things happening in slow motion, and it's that Victor getting down into the stance and then just, like, launching herself out. That it's like, oh, and yeah, this like, is... at, like as, she, uh, as she melts the lock. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, she just like, gets herself like into, the, like, uh, the pose. Like the that... Horses of the Hippodrome in Mer yeah. on Mercury. Like she doesn't, she does. There's no words. It's all body language. She's just like, and then you think Victor's like going into herself, but really she's just getting ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Makes makes eye contact just enough to uh, to know that Lyria's got a mouthful of acid and uh, changes nothing else about herself other than to gather herself for explosion. Yeah. <sighs> So, so good. good. So god. fucking good. I love these. For, yeah. for all of the mm, gray area that exists, I love that I can lose my giving a shit about the gray area because of the action. It's nice. Like, it's, it's the same as with the comedy. Like, the comedy is so thoroughly funny to me wherever it is I can lean into it the action yeah. when it exists is so very much it's so very well done or not even well sometimes not not just well done but also very useful um, to understand a character better or to understand the golds better or to the world better right and it's and this is no exception this is a, another really good example of that. Yeah. And then we get an Ephraim chapter. Well, so, so this is it. Is we have yeah. missed that Freckles, who apparently Ooh. maybe I'll cosplay as. I don't know. What would I wear? Like a burlap sack? I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, no. Paperbag princess. <laughs> Paperbag princess! We are the only Paper people who will understand that reference. Freckles cosplay. Even though I have that tattoo. Yeah. Um, Freckles apparently knows her dad knows how to use the thing so she can broadcast. And so, right. okay, here's the broadcast. And Leary is smart enough of, you can't say Victra because everyone's gonna, like, so it's, it's yeah, the, the enemies, enemies of the Red Hand. Who are the enemies of the Red Hand? Yeah. And then we get a three minutes on the audiobook. It is a three minute chapter 
of we know that Ephraim picks it up with Electra, and we I think at that point, oh my god, is it one page? Uh, three quarters of one page, and and about half of the other. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a one and a quarter page. Um, and I think in that we learn that. Electra and Ephraim have given up on everything and it's been Pax who is keeping them going and they pick it up and then it's this is the fun part for me is that Pax says we're going to broadcast that to Mars yeah and then so it's later it's actually, that it's actually Ephraim that's that's monitoring the comms yeah yeah not not Pax or Electra and he just no. fucking hammers it on full volume <laughs> just like wakes them up yeah but it is pax though that says we're gonna go to this this is gonna go to mars and they're like you have to be specific and he's oh like, yes to mars which then is mirrored later yes. that victra says to lyria who did you send it to and she says to mars and yep. you get the very like they don't know they're mirroring each other, but this like we are sending it to Mars, like yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do, yeah. It definitely though that like Pax is still trying to stay like it's fine, it's great, it's whatever. And Ephraim's like us and like me and Electra have given up. <laughs> but yeah, so we get a very brief that yes. Ephraim has taken the call and we'll broadcast it out. We'll make sure they all know. And then we go back in the mines um, and we get that they've pretty much at this point defeated everybody and we get the standoff with Harmony for yeah. a brief moment. Yeah. I don't end up feeling good about this death, honestly. Like, I'm glad she's dead. Like, thank goodness that that's done. But it almost feels like a mercy kill. I mean, it's definitely not a mercy kill. It's not a, I was going to say, down. this is, I think, the worst. This is the most brutal death, I think. Because yeah. it's yeah, spelled it's out. Those are wrong. adults. They will not kill you. They will bury their eggs in you. It's protracted. It's very And psychological. And mm -hmm. heinously painful. Which... Yes. And I, Yeah, and it's from the deepest darkest depths of harmony's fears i'm sure oh yeah, yeah. as all reds. every red ever born has been taught to fear pit vipers yeah this this is my question though is i've if i was to go two hours north of me i have pit vipers in the turn uh massasauga rattlesnakes um is that real that the bait like I thought the adults killed us. And it was... Uh-huh. Like, I thought one bite from an adult would kill you. And it's the babies that you have the chance of living on. I'm gonna have to look... I have, have no idea. I have to look we, this up. We don't, we don't really do poisonous snakes around here. No, no. So the only poisonous snakes in Canada are the Massasauga rattlesnakes, which is two hours north of me. My uncle is actually a doctor up there, and if you ask him, he will tell you that you have to be a fucking tourist to get bitten. Um, and, of course, we have free health care. My, my uncle's all for free health care, but would really wished 
he could show people who got bit by a rattlesnake their hospital bill because they show up to him and he gives the first anti-venom and then you have to get helicoptered to Toronto to get the second dose of anti-venom. Um, and he has stories of like literally the last time he had to give it out was because someone wanted a snake as a souvenir and they tried to like, like I have gone, this is a bizarre, as we know, I have some bizarre stories in my life. I've gone salamander hunting. Um, that you go in March and we got re really rare salamanders, but they tell you the key is to open the rocks away from you because salamanders don't run. They don't see you. But rattlesnakes will. And so if you open the rock away from you, mm. the rattlesnake will zoom out. So you're fine. If you're looking for salamanders, the rock comes towards you. The snake goes away. Um, but I'm pretty sure current Dave Vipe pit vipers the babies you will survive the bite and the adults you won't so but maybe not yeah based based on just a volume of volume of poison that maybe. goes in yeah also i know that there is rattlesnakes in um the okanagan Ooh, interesting yeah because when i was doing the train throwing for my buddy's wife at their wedding uh, we had to be very careful of rattlesnakes. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just our area down, but I guess it would make... I mean, there's multiple different kinds of rattlesnakes, but yep. they are pit vipers. Um, which I once tweeted, at, I did a thing um, similar to what Red Wing did of giving out books. I went went to all the little free libraries between me and my uncle's house and I tweeted it out and Pierce responded just be careful of pit vipers and I was like are you aware that I'm heading to like the one area that has pit vipers and he's like no that was a lucky coincidence and I was like yeah I'm heading into pit viper territory to give out these books and he was like oh, oh okay <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now I need to yeah do a deep dive into pit vipers. Anyway, so we get the very graphic. I would say probably one of the worst deaths in this, and you hear her screams. A lot of people are very controversial. If we don't see the body, I'm gonna say she's dead. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think Victor finished that one the way you know she. If Victor kicks you and flings you and tells you bye bitch that's oh my god that's i think that's the one i think that we know bye bitch is a is a full-on full send yeah that is a dismissal yeah that's that's as good as a body Ooh. yeah it's right up there with by felicia is the reference yeah, yeah. good old child friday Oh, he was so ready for him. that one. Yeah. I wonder if nobody's ever asked him that before. And I don't like, think he has because he was like, he said that. He's like, oh, I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Harmony is a character that 
I think all the villains in this we have to appreciate in one way or another and where their origin story is and without them we wouldn't have a book and Harmony is one that as much as she doesn't she's not acknowledged in villain as much as Lysander, Atlantia, Atlas, Apollonius, what other A can I throw in there? Um, Ajax. 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 Uh, um, Octavia is an O. Um, but it ends in an A. <laughs> same thing. Uh, she is definitely... That's she's the, the umbrage of the um, series. Where it is not necessarily the biggest villain, but the one we have forced our anger onto. Uh, but meets... I don't know. It's it's a difficult death that she it, she suffers. she's a she's a hard character in general because of course she she never is not a hard person. I think that that's something that's very valid to bring up. I mean, mm-hmm. Darrow's kind of kind of a softy, like yeah. in the beginning, he's kind of a softy. Um, oh, sure. I'm trying to think like some of our Cassius softy Mustang cunning. But I wouldn't say hard until she had to be. Um, probably Eo was hard. Yeah. Right? Eo was hard to begin with. Harmony was hard. And who knows how she was before we met her, but th- as soon as we met her, she was already hard. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And, and there was no learning for her. Her, her. All of her learning just led her to be harder. And and when you start at a certain level of hardness to begin with because of life experiences, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's that's why again I just come back to her. It sucks. She it she and Lyria as foils to each other. She and Lyria as two very angry Reds who went different ways uh, because of context are very interesting to me um one being a gamma one not being a gamma and how that plays out we went very far into this with in terms of like colorism and whatnot uh modern day and red rising colorism in the um in the discussion in the den i thought that was really valid to bring up but i mean i i just think that some total Harmony's death was a hard one. I am glad she's dead. Both because it gets her out of the way and also just because I feel like there's, at this point, that was the most merciful yeah, no, way. Yeah. Like, she's not no getting rid of the dungeon. Yeah. yeah. No. Would you call her a complex female character, as my shirt says? Yeah. I wore this one because you get the Victor, the Leary, the Volga, the Harmony. (laughs) The Freckles. I'm Team Freckles. Team Freckles. You are Team Freckles. You can't really see on the camera, but there's a lot of them there. There's a lot. Okay. Based on the fact that I know you were at at a cottage all weekend. Or week. Yeah. Here, we're at the our last chapter and our last chapter is a really complex one with a lot of uh, interesting things to talk about. Yeah. Um, 
Can we take a moment to please just like fully appreciate love nerd out on PAX? <gasps> okay, so oh, we yes. get the PAX flying scene. Yeah. The Can PAX we, flying we, scene. We are a equal opportunity podcast about relationships and spaceships. Doesn't seem like it. We never focus on the spaceships, but the PAX flying Spaceship. scene. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about the yeah. spaceships. Um, I, okay, so I really love that uh, Pax is calling out things to other pilots. And they're like, is that a child? And and Pax is like, Ephraim, what the fuck? Like, come on. Like, back yeah. me up here. Yeah. Yeah. Gunboat and, one, gunboat two, I need a path. Is that a child? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's just phenomenal. He, I mean, I don't know. I've nerded out a whole lot on the, uh, Callaway Z char flying scenes. Like we get the racing scene that Pax sees him in and we get, um, one scene where he's like flying around, but also the flying of picking up Alex is Callaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's like, mm, it's so good. It's so good. Well, and, and the, then and just, the Darrow I, like, one where it, nobody, okay. The race is not Callaway. The, Alexia Z Rex. Is not Callaway. And it's, I no, thought it was not in the race. And, no. Oh, okay. No. So they talk about, um, who, like, who's your favorite, like, Pax oh, asks okay. Lyria, who's your favorite pilot? And she says, Callaway's the char. Okay. You know, because he's protecting the legions, right? And Pax says, you know, you know, if you're talking about kills, sure, he's a class to his own. He's a gunslinger. Got it. But Alexia Z Rex, oh, she's a ballerina. Yeah, but Callaway's a ballerina too. I mean, come on, the things that he could do with the ships are just absolutely. Oh, we don't know comparatively. At that point, at that point, no, we don't know. But then we get to see him actually do some stuff in his flying. But then, what is the, the ultimately we get to see Pax? Yes, do the flying. Yeah, oh, fuck yes. Which like taking like what a ten meter wide ship through a fucking 13 meter gap. Unbelievable. Yeah. We, I don't know if we know specifically the, the scale of the snowball, but it's like, I think he says there's a three meter cushion between the waves and the ship. Yeah. It's, it's, it's extremely small. It's so, it just says so terribly small in that spot. And then he forgets about the... Ephraim thinks he forgets about the missiles, but he actually hasn't actually forgotten about the missiles at all. Um, The thing that is really cool is that Ephraim is like, man, he flew that ship better than me, better than I ever could. And then the fact is that he has been linked in. He has... Because he is a gold, he has the like requisite number of neural pathways to be able to wear a headset that mimics the kind of... Uh, naturally occurring connectivity points in the blue 
anatomy. Yeah. And so yeah. a gray could never, but mm -hmm. a gold can, a, an interested gold can. And because Pax is not a gold gold, he is not trying to fly for any, you know, he's trying, he's trying to mimic the best of the best and the best of the best are blues. Yeah. So I, I, I found the, the passage specifically. The torch ship looms before us. The gap between water and hull, barely thicker than a razor. Yeah. Acceleration pins me to my seat. The sea is less than two meters below. If we so much as nick it, it'll ricochet us up into the hull of the torch ship at just under the speed of sound. Like. Yeah. That's, that's, that's less than my height from the hull of the ship to the water. That's like when you see a sports car, like go zoom underneath the yeah, semi. Yeah, Fast Furious underneath yeah. the semi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like infinitely faster, not infinitely, yes. but exponentially faster. It's so True. good. Yeah. Oh my god! It's. I mean, and yeah. then and this then. This is such a good scene. It's so. And and Ephraim Ephraim's like. I, I I can handle the G's, okay? Like Pax is like you might wanna might wanna sit down, you might wanna grab a sick bag. Ephraim's like, I got I got this, young man. And then barfs his fucking guts out. Well and, and makes a comment about the kids don't even notice. Like yeah. not so not even as Pax like whatever somehow trained himself to do this, but Electra is like, yeah, sure. Okay, like just chilling. I just imagine Victor or Electra sitting there, like, I know, I know what he fucking yeah. does. Like, sure, I must sit here and hang out because I know. I grab the sick bag just in time to hurl up my breakfast into it. Electra cackles and pets my head like I'm a puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Electra. Like, what are what are they singing? I ask, still a bit woozy from the G's. <gasps> the kids seem to Persephone. barely have noticed. <laughs> yeah, and then it's the song of Persephone. Yeah. Okay, and then Pax, like they have, he has the moment where he's like, he sees how Pax, like we don't get to see that through Mustang, we don't get to see that through Victor, we don't, we get to see it through Ephraim, how Pax is greeted, like he, they're like, yeah. oh, you did that, yeah, the, they see the, the head, legend, the, head, uh, the headset, they see the headset, like, oh fuck. And it's it's not like they're surprised. It's like uh, uh, they're like Darrow's son. Oh yes, of course, the child of prophecy. Yes, the yeah. child of prophecy. Oh my gosh, it makes me so oh so excited. Like this one chapter, I did cry most of the way through this well, chapter it. because it was so, get, so exciting and because cool. you get that, and then immediately it's that they run, and Ephraim just describes her as the gold with the swollen belly as if she had just been pregnant and she catches the yeah. kids and raises them up a meter high. And like, I fucking bawled at that. And then we get the Ephraim Volga and him yelling rabbit that yeah. you get the Ephraim Lyria reunion. Like it, this is just yeah. so yeah, yeah, the the Volga reunion gets me every single time. Yeah, every time. Um, 
<laughs> are you wounded? You are shaking. Mm-hmm. And then this is the one and only time that they have like a real proper hug. Yeah. And then Victor is storming up on them while it's happening. Yeah. Which then they have to Victor call her off like, no! No, Victor! Axe is like, come on! <laughs> Who gives it to them? Victor backs off. I'm like, fuck, fine. Like... She's able to find the... She's able to rationalize why it's necessary because of course she could she this is where she's doing like her mental uh emotional psychological big picture economic breakdown for the victor the julia economics right which is an economics apart from actual fiscal (laughs) economics right and and she this is where she's like and this is where i will find a reason to get over it yeah where are we at? We're basically we get, to the, the, the father-daughter scene. Yeah. Uh, Ephraim and Volga share their only real hug. Mm. And then it's just the sweetest thing. Yeah. And then Volga is about to kill Ephraim. Until Volga says stop. Victor is going to kill Wait, Ephraim. Victor is going to kill Al- yeah. Ephraim. Until Volgus is stopped. Yeah. 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 I I love that there's been so much growth from Victra and like the relationship has grown so much between Lyria and Volga and Victra. That Volga telling Victra to stop registers immediately. Yeah. Which I don't yeah, it's the Julii economic. We have the Julii genetics. Yeah. And we Julii also have the Julii economics. Yeah, but I don't think previous to this, like, do we even, well, maybe Darrow or Severo could have told, but I don't think that if Mustang, I think we know at this point that if Mustang had us said stop, Victor wouldn't. Oh, no, but. definitely not. I mean, we don't necessarily know at this point, but... You can spoil just a little bit. Yeah. You learn. So, um, and I will say at this point, just along that note, is this is where Pax learns that his mom is in li- is alive. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Because Pax leading up to this thought that he pretty much didn't have parents and we he still doesn't know what's happened to Darrow, uh, which I think is why... In my mind, it's not just Victra getting the kids, but also Pax getting an adult he fully trusts. Right? Yeah. Like Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's the two. Yeah, it's fold. it's not just it's not just Victra getting something back. It's it's also the, the kids. Pax yeah. And Electra. And Electra, but Pax for sure has thought he's lost yeah. everything and at least there is one adult there that he has loved his whole life and will continue to love him. Uh, but he does learn that his mom is alive. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this whole scene, I think I just bawled through this afternoon. Oh, yeah. Sitting there, I, like, I weeping. absolutely 
I'm misty-eyed through the whole thing. Yeah. Every time. There's the, I mean, there's, they get the, all of the interaction. There's also, we saw Lyria contend with losing Ulysses. We know, obviously, Victor did, but we also get to see, you know, Ephraim kind of stick his foot in it a little bit. He's like, oh, what did you go off and do? And yeah. Volga's like, um, I wanted to see what, you know, I wanted to see Ulysses. Oh, oh. Oops. Oops. Um, oops. Which we do get the. So we know at this point um, that obviously Lyria has the nephews and nieces, but we do learn of Volga has learned, like, knows she cannot currently give birth. Uh, and knows how much money it would be if she was to get, yep. because Lyria says, like... 20 million credits. Yeah. Um, so we get that. But then also Volga learns, Ephraim gets to just tell her who her father is. No, he doesn't. And then he doesn't. He, he could, but he doesn't. He chooses oh! not to. Oh, I thought okay. I listened yeah. wrong. No. He does it. He, he does it specifically. Does not. He says it all. He has an inner monologue where he says oh. it. Oh, so okay, it's so like then he says it. I was not paying attention. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Nope. But then he doesn't. After all. Yes. And then they go visit Trig's statue. Yes. Yep. And Pax, we remember Pax is wearing the ring the whole time and gives the ring back to Ephraim. Yeah. Yeah. There is um, so much in that one chapter. Fuck, man. I... This is the chapter... Well, this is the last... This is the... Um, culmination of getting to see the relationship of Volga and Ephraim finally step into its fuller like the, the reality of what always was but actually yeah. kind of healthy you know for the first time and um, and we have been seeing that enacted with Pax as so, sort of a surrogate for Volga yeah. and Ephraim as a surrogate father for, for Pax. Yeah. And it's been, it's been very interesting how that trade-off has happened. And it's something that has always stood out to me as, you know, again, if we're talking like representation, this is my favorite. Ephraim is my favorite representation. Um, of the of a gay man in the series uh you know something else could happen if something else happened that'd be great but we're not it's not a trope it's not a yeah. um there's not it's not like exaggerated it is a just a man who is a gay man being a great going from a morally gray character because of his actions, yep, to becoming a 
fully actualized human that fits into a um, community and who is showing up as a member of that community in a very meaningful way. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's fucking awesome. I, I would, I would love to see more of that for sure. I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who knows? I, I, if nothing else, I just, I think we all, I think, you know, every, there's some people who sometimes I I scratch my head. Thankfully, I don't think there's any in the Howler's Den that wouldn't, wouldn't say that. Right. I think, for the most part, we are all of one mind in that way. And I think that, you know, if we can just center that in the dialogue moving forward, that's the win. Even if we don't even get it in text, if we just know that as, as a sci-fi fandom, like this is the new gold standard. Some, this moment, this type of character, this complexity of character moving forward. For sure. And I think, I think that that's, I think we get that with f yeah 100 percent. i love that for ephraim of you know he gets the complexity of we don't know if he ever actually wanted kids but gets to become the father figure and it has you know he takes it and is so good with it in comparison to like they talk about Sefi is good with kids I'm like Sefi's fucking terrible with kids we've had this discussion of you know no one else could do with Pax and Electra what um, Ephraim did and he's so complex in all of his emotions and we get to see him through his drug addict ways and his grief and everything and I think especially in this chapter we still see that grief he gets Trigg's ring back that is a hard moment. If you have lost someone, like a husband, if you have lost that significant other, that is a difficult moment, but it is different than we have seen him in Iron Gold because he's had that full character arc and sobering up and all of that. Like he he represents, I think, so much um, to so many different communities, so LGBT, but also like addictions, um and you know just he's not he's the he's the mid well or gray's mid colors but he's that middle of the line rather than lyria we know has hit that refugee status versus the Uh golds and he is the one holding the middle and he gets such a great fleshed out character but as you say like it would be tremendous as Pierce carries on this and has more representation, and I hope he is not the last of the LGBT community. Uh, but, you know, I'm so happy that he gets to be as complex as he is, as uh, fleshed out as he is. A full-ass human being with all the nuances, and we yeah. are here for it, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right, where are we? Is that it? Does that? I mean, mean, that last chapter is a lot, but I think we've covered. Yeah. Everyone's Um, reunion. Well, essentially, Ephraim also basically has to say goodbye to Volga. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He takes off. Yeah. 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 Like he's on. He's on the next mission already. Yeah. Because Pax asked him to. 
He's such yeah. a good stand-in dad. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that is it. This is, yeah. I mean, we are now recording. This is our lo- longest recording at four hours and yeah, we 15 are minutes. 15. And, I mean, sure, we took some... Badger, you're such a bad influence. Such a badger influence. (laughs) I've got stamina, what can I say? Well, it's that, and you, I think, bring us to a different level than anyone else. Like, I love all our other guest characters, I love that. Don't get us wrong, everybody else, you are fucking fantastic. You are fabulous. But badger makes us think things that we didn't think about before. (laughs) Um, And go into a different, so... Uh, Badger brings a spoon for, for our that. brains. Yeah. Hey, with the bourbon. Let's get all the alliteration in, the in there. With the badger um, and the brains and the bourbon. And the bourbon. I did drink another. And the beer. And the I'm, beer. On my, I'm on my third beer. This one is called Life in the Clouds. Um, slightly, slightly nicer than the Cradle to Grave. Starry Night was good. Starry Night's but... fine. Starry Cradle to Grave is just the totally irreverent one. That's oh. great. I love it. It is just in my fridge. It just fit. Uh, yes. Now we need. Now we need a. Uh, we need a beach ball reference. We <gasps> we got Merlot is getting timed out hard for that one. If anyone's in the, ha- if you're not in the Haller's Den, Merlot decided to make. It was a gif of. A beach ball going around military guys because of Daxo's head. I timed him out, and I didn't even realize Salem had timed him out. It's the first time we've had a double, double. timeout. Double timeout in the den. Woo! Like double jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. And and normally when we do the joke timeouts, which that would be, it's a minute, and I did them for five. It's like no, no, one minute is not enough. I did them for five. <laughs> It was it was cruel and unusual on his part. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Maybe not so unusual, but definitely cruel. Just cruel. Uh, but yeah, thank you for everybody who has made it to four minutes and seven. Sorry, four hours and seventeen minutes. Uh, you are fantastic. Uh, thank you, Badger, yeah. for joining us. Hit, hit us with a mm-hmm. hit us with a snowball in the comments if you've got this far. Join the Howler's Den so yes. that you don't have to have the abbreviated Badger version with at only no. four hours. You can yes. have me speaking these things and going into great length and yes. the 3D answers all day, every day. <laughs> I will say that is Badger, me and you go back and forth amazing. all the time that I greatly appreciate that we have such open dialogue and such, you know, especially me and you. And I mean, some it's usually there for it. There's a few others that um, we know it's that safe space that we can talk about this things. And, and, you know, we have differing opinions at some point, but uh, it is always fantastic. Those questions of the day. I'm not usually in them because... I know my voice gets given here, but we love the questions of the day that Salem asks uh, for the read-along. There is the questions of the day that are absolutely random, and I'm normally in those. Uh, but we appreciate those, and Badger, the voice you give to everyone is fantastic. So thank you so much for... Hey, yeah, that's what we're here for. We, we want everybody to to chime in. We want to learn you know, I feel like the den is a great place because we we get to 
have other people's perspectives on the books. Um, and you know, it's, it's great when we all agree and it's also, we grow as humans and grow as a fandom when we get to adjust our opinions yeah. and, and expand. For sure. That's special. It's super special. And also we laugh fucking constantly. Oh and that's also oh, well, special. Yeah. yeah. So well, this is my favorite thing is I think the f- two biggest fights, fights, discussions I've been in in the fandom is the EO discussion that I, you know, way back in January opened. after joining the den. And God, obviously, and I learned more things about me, EO, all sorts. And then you get into the discussions about like who makes their bed that starts mm-hmm. a fight or the ongoing pancakes, waffles, French toast debate that people are, and we're, we're on equal footing of you can be just as angry at me about how I don't like EO as you can be as angry at me about how I'm team waffle. Am I team waffle or team French toast? I'm anti-pancake. That's all toast, you know. Then waffle, then pancake. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Down with the pancakes. Um, you can be really? angry about me with that, and it is a safe space for you to be angry. And also, Fine. I don't make my Just bed. remember, we will ration your maple syrup if you argue. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, that's the control we have. We control your maple syrup. You get grade B maple syrup it's from us. now on. That's yeah. it. That's the only access to maple syrup anybody has. Yeah. Fuck you, Vermont. Also having maple syrup. Fuck you, Vermont. There's this, this cut is, with we should, we, should, uh, we should invade. We should invade Vermont. Listen, they've also bring them into Canada. Yeah, the, the the amount of also emotional toll I've taken in Vermont. We're just gonna name this episode. Fuck you, Vermont. <laughs> oh, I was thinking it was going to be uh, tragedy and torch ships. Oh, better. Okay, it's gonna be tragedy and torch ships. Fuck you, Vermont. <laughs> yeah, brackets, fuck you, Vermont. Fuck you, Vermont. Brackets, right. feel free to break up watching it into four different segments. Four. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're signing off. This is ridiculous. Okay, yeah, yeah, thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good morning, whatever, when it... It's morning here. Good <laughs> I'm done. <laughs>